The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. This is Lieutenant Reginald Barkley. That's it. Whoever this Barkley is, he stopped transmitting. The micro wormhole is collapsing at a rate of 0.2% per second. That doesn't give us much time. To do what? To send a message back through and hope Mr. Barkley is listening. Voyager! Rich, give me a hand clearing up the signal. Lower the filter band by 0.3 kilohertz. This is Captain Catherine Janeway. Do you read me? I think she's talking to you. Captain, this is Lieutenant Reginald Barkley at Starfleet Command. It's good to hear your voice, Lieutenant. We've been waiting a long time for this moment. The feeling is mutual. Unfortunately, the micro-wormhole is collapsing. We have only a few moments. Understood. We're transmitting our ship's logs, crew reports, and navigational records to you now. Acknowledged. And we're sending you data on some new hyper-subspace technology. We're hoping eventually to use it to keep in regular contact, and we're including some... Recommended modifications for your comm system. We'll implement them as soon as possible. That's it. We're going. Did it, Rich? I'm sorry I doubted you. Anyone know this, Barkley? I took the liberty of reviewing his personnel file. He's had a rather colorful career, not to mention an unusual medical history. He's recovered from a variety of maladies, including transporter phobia and hollow addiction. Well, whatever his problems, he certainly came through for us. Starfleet should give him a promotion. Good morning, London. It's Thursday, November 21st, 2013. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. And we'll be with you from now till noon. And you know it's not right wing, it's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Rob Ford, Rob Ford, Rob Ford, Rob Ford. Not. <laughs> if you're getting tired of hearing about Rob Ford, you know, this and Rob Ford that, well, I think you better start getting used to it, because I think it's just beginning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show today, where 519-661-3600 is the number to call if you want to join in on the conversation, or write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Now, of course, Rob Ford has been dominating the news for, oh, almost forever now. I can't, I can't remember when we had normal news. But being only a weekly show for our part here on Just Right, this is the third time that we've taken a more focused look at the Rob Ford controversies. Two weeks ago, and then again back in March, show 291, which we spent only a quarter of the show, and last week or last two weeks only three quarters, so you can see a pattern here. Um... But I think a few things need to be said about the whole true significance of this issue, which have not yet been said, at least anywhere that I've heard. And I want to explain why this debate and controversy is so important to each and every one of us, because this really isn't about Rob Ford, is it? Just like the opening audio bite from Voyager said, whatever his problems, he came through for us. That's almost the way 
a lot of voters are talking and they don't care about Rob Ford's problems. And the media, of course, talks very differently. Why this schism? Is, are they seeing two different things? Apparently they are. You know, under normal circumstances, whatever that means in terms of what I do here on the show, Rob Ford might have escaped my radar and perhaps even my interest. You know, being expected to comment on the Ford situation, however, has forced me to look at his situation critically. And what I found has convinced me that whatever people may think they, quote, know about Rob Ford, the vast majority of the rumors are patently false. They, they actually are. Not just unprovable, but provably false. Often the very opposite of what was reported, and that's what we're going to be getting into a bit today. It would literally take hours to recite the documented falsehoods, which is exactly what I already dedicated those past few broadcasts of Just Right to. But there is a complete other image of Rob Ford and of this debate that is being purposely hidden from view. And all this must be said, not to defend Rob Ford per se but simply to defend the truth upon which we all depend to arrive at some sort of rational decision or understanding of what's going on around us. It's the truth that we need to function as informed voters and as citizens in a democracy. Now, since last talking about the Ford situation two weeks ago on the show, I appear to have become embroiled in a somewhat public and very heated debate, both on air and online, over the escalating Toronto City Hall drama especially between me and CJBK talk show host Andy Utman. Are we still friends, he asked me the last time I talked to him on the show, because, of course, we're on the polar opposite point of view over Rob Ford. And uh, for those listening live, you'll be able to hear those conversations and other related ones on, uh, online on our website. Uh, some are already up, and others will be in there in the very near future. So whatever Mr. Ford's... Um, personal or even political faults or strengths may be. As I commented to Andy Udman on his show on Tuesday, I could one day find myself facing Rob Ford, the progressive conservative, in which case he would become my political archenemy, wouldn't he? <laughs> With that guy, you never know. Incidentally, it's funny, as a member of the PCs, it would also force Ford to abandon any of his uh, cut taxes notions, which is something the PCs have never done in all the years FP has, you know, my, my party, Freedom Party, that I've been working with has ever been in existence, and even before that. And what makes it even more ironic and perhaps unlikely is that PC Randy Hillier is proposing now recall legislation, which I'll be touching on in the final quarter of the show today. And for those of you who may be disposed to assume that my, quote, defense of Rob Ford is ideological... I've also publicly spoken out against what I regarded to be unwarranted attacks on our own mayor, Joe Fontana, who's hardly a poster boy for the right wing, let alone for freedom. And neither is Rob Ford, really. But that's not what this is about. Seems to me that separating the wheat from the chaff and the truth from the falsehood and the right from the wrong, that's the path we all have to take of, of, of eternal vigilance. You know, we placed ourselves on that. If you want to be worthy of not just defending, but advocating freedom and everything it represents, like democracy. The last time we looked at the Ford issue two weeks ago, our primary focus was on the drug issue and on its related issue, lying in the public trust. You know, it's funny, uh, Andy Utman on his show said before the event, Ford lied to us, how can we ever trust him again? The man is dangerous, you know. And then when he learned about his cocaine use, two weeks later, I hear him saying, and I kid you not, every time he opens his mouth, he tells the truth. The man is dangerous, says Andy. So whether he lies or whether he tells the truth, Ford is dangerous, according to Andy. 
honestly, I've never seen anything like it. And listening to Andy rail on about Ford is more of a train wreck to me than the train wreck he's trying to paint a Ford. But if there's one eternal principle that's been demonstrated by all of this emotional reaction, it's that politics is indeed personal. And even the least politically aware individual is affected to the root of his or her being by politics. Which, of course, is our main Rob Ford theme for today's show, the political element of this. You know, really, the relevant quality that most people are looking for is not perfection, but trust. Can they trust this person? Trust with their interests and concerns, not with personal matters that shouldn't really be relevant, though are in a certain context. I'm not not ignoring that entirely. So maybe we can help separate Rob Ford, the man, from the politician and from the issue. I'm definitely not going to get through this next part because what I've got here is just an endless list of various clippings that I've saved over the years that deal with Rob Ford, not in his capacity in the current situation, but what he's actually done in City Hall. And, you know, a lot of things, this is why Rob Ford has enemies, because of his political record. I mean, the mayor is independently wealthy. And he funds most of his expenses out of his own pocket. He gives money to charities and actually gets involved hands-on with his social improvement efforts. That alone is enough to make people hate him. I, I kid you not. You think, oh, no, that's, they should like him? Uh-uh. Not if he's doing it when they should be seen doing it, you see. It, you know, he shouldn't do that. My, mom, my, my own mother said to me when I explained this to her, he's just waving a red flag in front of a bull by doing that, she says. Which is certainly how I'm sure the other counselors, all the bulls, would have interpreted the gesture. And I think she had a point. But on the other hand, the political message in not charging taxpayers is powerful. And that one's directed, I think, at the voters. Which probably helps explain the motivation behind Ford's letterhead scandal. Remember that one? Here's a guy who spends his own money on things he actually could charge to the taxpayer for most things. But in his hurry and expediency to get out a fundraising letter for a kid's uh, football team, he uses his own mayor's letterhead. Finally, the left has proof how, of how this mayor has a conflict of interest and should be kicked out of office. And remember, all this happened long before any of, well, I'm going to say the scandals. I guess everything with Rob Ford's a scandal, even his, his looks, you know. June 21st from uh, National Post by uh, Natalie Alcoba, Supreme Court ruling. Supreme Court, and this is from June 21st, yes, and they said they would not hear an appeal of Mayor Rob Ford's conflict of interest case bringing a close, to a close, a saga stretching over a year that at one point included his ouster from office. Mr. Ford then lashed out at his accusers. We all know these individuals have open ties to political activists. They couldn't beat me at the polls, so they tried everything they could to stop me from moving toward with my agenda. He blamed his accusers for creating months of instability and turmoil at City Hall. Over what, the mayor asked. Ask yourself, over what? Raising money to help underprivileged kids to play football, he said, ending his speech without taking questions. Even opponents seemed relieved. There are lots of reasons to get rid of this mayor, and the best way to do it is at the ballot box, said Councillor Adam Vaughn, because then he can stop whining about it, end quote. Well, I'm sure Ford would stop whining about it, but I guarantee you Adam Vaughn will not stop whining about it. Sounds like he's the guy that's really into the wine. And then there's January 17th. These are not necessarily in order. I'm just picking them out of a, out of a hat here. National Post, again by Natalie Alcoba. I think she did most, does most of uh, Toronto City Hall uh, reporting for the Post. Del Grand resigns as budget chief. This is an interesting one because this issue has been referred to several times recently. 
and apparently says he's disappointed with emotional spending. Toronto Budget Chief Mike Del Grande resigned Wednesday within hours of City Council passing a budget that added another $12 million in spending. Meanwhile, the 10-year $15 billion capital plan includes a half-billion-dollar cash injection for the crumbling Gardner Expressway. The city is also reducing its debt by $808 million over 10 years, city manager said. Ford called it the best budget in Toronto's history and boasted that even the hardcore left-wing tax and spend councillors did not succeed in touching last year's surplus. We saw a mayor taking some changes to his budget because he had his back up against the wall, said Councillor Shelley Carroll, who voted against it. All we need now is a mayor that understands that making compromises and building a budget with council is actually your job every year, end quote. After the meeting, a dozen councillors, now get this, get this, this is for Londoners. After the meeting, a dozen councillors from the left, center, and right wing joined the mayor for lunch at the Monarch Tavern in Little Italy. There were some Last Supper jokes, said Councillor Doug Ford, a reference to a looming court decision that could toss the mayor out of office, the one we just talked about. The look on the owner's faces, this is historic, equipped about the mayor sitting next to his political nemesis, Councillor Vaughan. It's a good day, the best day in two years, said Councillor Ford. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, it's the mayor's job to compromise with his opponents? Is that right? Okay, if that's his job, what's their job? (laughs) Who are they supposed to compromise with? themselves? You see how this all runs one way. And what I want to know, first off, is where was the Ontario Ombudsman in this? I mean, 12 municipal councillors gathering in a public tavern whose owners are apparently stunned by the looks in their faces and no Ombudsman to be seen? (laughs) For those of you who might not know what I'm talking about because you don't live in the London area, here in London, eight of our municipal councillors were raked over the coals recently by the Ombudsman for doing the same thing, meeting in a public restaurant and discussing and celebrating municipal issues, I guess. Just one of the, you know, more contradictory pieces of the bigger picture and of of a clear picture of values and agendas that are so in conflict. They're all trying to get around the democratic system. And here in London, we use the ombudsman to override the voters' authority. Now in Toronto, City Council itself has given itself the power to override the voters' authority and will. It's also evidence of the continuing destruction of the democratic process. You know, bureaucrats passing ethical and moral judgments and making decisions affecting an elected representative's ability to govern as he or she she sees fit. You know, this political power is already limited by due process. So what gives? Where's all this coming from? And then I can go through just piles of of more articles here, and I will if I have time at the end, but don't expect that to be the case. Just more and more examples of the things that Rob Ford has done in a very positive light. And these articles weren't written with any scandals in mind. They're just reporting the news in terms of what the man actually does do. So right now, we're going to switch, not lanes, but switch the, the, the focus a bit and talk about the P word. Of course, Rob Ford got a little, in a little bit of trouble over that lately. And... Uh, I think we're going to have a little fun with this, too. Take a little break for a smile, and when we get back, that's our next topic. Now another treat for all you poetry lovers, Bowinkle's Corner. Hello there, cat fanciers. Today's poem is that soul-stirring classic, I Love Little Pussy. Uh, where's the pussycat, Rock? Over there, but it's not really. <clears throat> poem. I love little pussy, her coat is so warm. And if I don't hurt her, she'll... No, Rock, this is a... 
tiger. I know. The pet store made a mistake. So, so, so I'll not pull her tail or drive her away. But Pussy and I very gently will play. Bullwinkle, what are you doing up here? Uh, I'm looking for my poetry book. Why look up here? You lost it down there. Yeah, but uh, up here the light's better. This next clip will astonish and amaze you. This is Toronto Mayor Rob Ford addressing allegations that he sexually harassed one of his staffers. Oh, and the last thing was um, Olivia Gonda. It says that I wanted to eat her I've never said that in my life tour. I would never do that. I'm happily married. I've got more than enough to eat at home. What? 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 Well, welcome back to Ford Nation. I want to introduce Joe Warmington and uh, my best friend, Doug Ford, as you know. So, uh, Joe. I'm not your best friend, Mr. Mayor? Well, we've had our differences. You've upset me, and uh, but we, we, we've made up, and I accept your apology, and uh, <laughs> let's move on. It's not an interview. We're just chatting uh, here, and uh, Mayor Ford, obviously, that was not your best week. Uh, no, and, not at all. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are asking me when they approach me is, you know, they want to know from a personal side, not the, po the political side, is how are you really doing behind the scenes and all that? I, I, I'm doing fantastic because I know in my heart what I'm doing for the city is the right thing. And, you know, is it stressful? Sure, it's stressful in my family, but I know in my heart. I know everybody has personal problems. Mine is supposed, but my job is to come down and serve the taxpayers of the city and I'm continuing to do it. I'm returning at least 70, 80 calls a day, going to people's front door, and I haven't missed one day of council in so, 13 years. So why should the public, A, believe you okay. and also forgive you? Because you're asking them to do both, and right. yet we've seen such flip-flops there. Now, is it, is, are you, obviously you're getting the help now. Is that why? Uh, or action, what? No, action speaks louder than words. Again, I'm going to repeat what, what I said. You look at my record. I want to talk about my record, my achievements with no other mayor in this city has been able to do. I've saved more money than any mayor in Toronto's history. Got subways built when everybody, my, co my competitors are flip-flopping, want you know LRTs and want streetcars. No, I don't believe in LRTs or streetcars. Their last council meeting, they spent $500,000 on an environmental assessment on building bike lanes on Bloor when the businesses don't want it. You put your own political agenda at risk, though, with your behavior. I, and so you see that. I mean, I, that's not everyone else's fault. You, it's all yeah. self-inflicted, Joe. Yeah. I can't change the past. I can only apologize so many times. You know what? I'm not perfect. I don't think anybody's perfect. And if they are, I haven't met them yet. You know, I think a lot of people want to know, too, is about the idea that you were spied on like that for five months, the cost of it, and who else has been spied on like that. If you had the police and the resources of that, you know, do you have a comment on that? Well, because I, it, they think I was stupid. I, I knew these people were following me. Like I kept running these plates, calling the police, and they weren't coming back to me and saying, oh, no, it's private. 
We knew we were being followed. You had helicopters following us. The helicopters were landing on our on our pool. Helicopters, not helicopters, planes. Planes. Sorry. Yeah. I had these unmarked people, and they're and they're describing themselves as this or that. They're following me into the store. Come on. Like, let's call. Even up the last night. Up the last night, Joe. We still have someone sitting outside our plant. I get up to the office. I just like relaxing, getting away from everyone. You know, doing some paperwork. We come out. And bang, there's a, the same car sits there every single night. He was there again last night. Okay. So, uh, you know, so, so it's not going to continue. If Chief Blair doesn't say what he said, what mm -hmm. you were upset about, mm -hmm. and the different things, would we be where we are now? No, my, my question is, I urinated in a parking lot. What does that have to do? Or, or bring up the beer, St. Patrick's Day party two years ago. What does that have to do, do you with know what anything? I have to do, Rob? It's politics. And there it is, the P word. I have to admit, I was quite favorably impressed by the one and only broadcast of Ford Nation. It was apparently Sun TV's highest rated show, or second highest, at least way up there, but apparently still too expensive for the financially strapped network to produce on a continuous basis. And uh, I like that despite a lot of the election campaigning that's, that's going on, and I was amazed at how frankly... Ford went into so many of these issues. Everything, most of what you're hearing today is from that broadcast, including even the John Stewart clip, which they played on Ford Nation. So you get an idea of how he just went running into this. And then Sun really did a good job on this. You, you folks should check it out. If you haven't got uh, cable, you can check it out online. Um, you know, they even had Warren Kinsella on there, uh, just saying how Ford was a liar, liar, liar all the way through and said, hey, you know, they had two uh, homicide detectives working on this case. I want to ask yourself why. Well, maybe it's because Ford had his life threatened, and that's what precipitated the investigation. Oh, man, I got to tell you. Well, he said it, the P word, which apparently is even worse than the F word. And, of course, P is about politics, and the F word these days is Ford. So, as you can see, context is everything. I want to share with you, you know, I got into quite a debate over this online as well, too, and I just want to share with you some exchanges, some email exchanges that I had with a number of people. And uh, here's one from Andrew who writes, I've been hey Bob, I've been following your commentary about this issue and I'm glad you came up with your perspective. I reacted the same way you did and made a statement on Facebook which got some of the most angry correspondence I ever had from people on private messages. I was particularly reacting to the statement in the media that I keep hearing from people all over which is that Ford, quote, needs help. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. The issue of substance abuse abuse here has not been objectively defined, and some impropriety about being intoxicated, what else has he d done? I feel like I'm missing something. For instance, to listen to Andy Udman's statement that you keep hearing from under other pundits and people commenting that he is a, quote, bully and out of control and dangerous. I agree that the drug use is not the actual issue. What is the evidence to support these accusations? I want to be objective and not just react with my own bias. Is he a bully like the Democrats call the Tea Party a bully? If so, then I guess that means it's standing up for the right of people to keep more of their own hard-earned money. Makes them a bully. Thanks. And I wrote back to Andrew. I said, yeah, the Ford, quote, needs help argument is, of course, a pure no, BS from top to bottom, and the people who use this argument are hypocrites right to the core, quite frankly. It's crocodile altruism, isn't it? Pretending to care for somebody that you really want to see destroyed. Come on. Oh, we need to help him. Let's help him right out of office. <laughs> 
Be prepared. What you see happening to Ford is what any opponent of the left can expect once or he or she becomes a threat to the left, which is exactly what Rob Ford is. And yes, sticking to his principles and policies is exactly why Rob Ford is being called a bully. The left literally has no ideas that are rational, and that's kind of what makes them left in this regard, in terms of their policies. All they want to do is spend, tax and spend, so all they have left is name-calling and intimidation and lying and all those kind of things. Totally consistent with their position, by the way. I think that Ford's admission of this cocaine use was, was a brilliant move. It immediately diffused the core of the so-called scandal, which doesn't even rate being called a tempest in a teapot. Uh, you know, and, and it forced the jerk who wanted to make a whole bunch of money on the notorious videotape, which was now seriously devalued, to cut his price in desperation and reveal himself to the public, and that's what he did. Unfortunately, there is an entrenched anti-drug constituency, particularly in the right wing, whose ideas about drug use, abuse, and prohibition is so skewed by years of false propaganda that they appear actually handicapped and incapable of coherent thought on this issue. Consider the Harper government's current radio ads against Trudeau. They targeted Trudeau's only real rational plank, legalizing pot, as being the single reason to vote against him. Trudeau wants to treat marijuana just like alcohol and tobacco, says the radio ad. (laughs) He's sending the message that recreational drug use is okay. Well, you know, recreational drug use is okay, isn't it? Especially when the government can monopolize its sale and distribution as it already does with alcohol and tobacco, the very two drugs that Harper pointed to. Meanwhile, drug prohibition is undeniably the cause of the whole drug crisis. And so to me, the fact the Harper government is totally willing to avoid this whole situation demonstrates how they're kind of further detached from reality than Ford might be, even despite his crack. But, you know, as I said last week, making Ford toxic to the right wing is really the key objective of the left strategy. They know they can count on a significant portion of the right's irrational viewpoints on drugs to undermine one of their own, and so that's what they do. And they have this really simplistic point of view, you know. They just basically think that, well, uh, they seem to think it has something to do with morality. If you, if you use drugs or drink alcohol, you're immoral. If you don't, you're okay. And that's precisely the point I was illustrating in our Just Right broadcast two weeks ago and why we use the Sherlock Holmes audio bites in which Sherlock Holmes, we hear him justifying his cocaine use. Did that to illustrate a point. Though a fictional character, you know, thank goodness that Holmes lived in the pre-Prohibition era. Otherwise, the police would have been visiting him all the time to arrest him, rather than to seek the clarity of his advice and ensure that justice was done. You see see how funny that is? So, uh, you know, the Rob Ford story, of course, is far from over, and we've got a long way to go on this one. But that's how it runs. We've got to take a break now again at the bottom of the hour. And coming up next, got to double check here and find it, is... Sun TV again, and this is from um, David Menzoid. I really have to admire him for doing this because he's basically putting it all on the line here and telling you what he saw as a personal witness to the whole Ford fiasco versus what was reported in the media. Very interesting contrast. We'll be back after this. You know, a funny thing happened to me on the way to Skydome the other day, and it was this. Thousands of people, myself included, witnessed one thing, and most of the consensus media reported a story that was radically different. Funny, that. Allow me to explain, folks. 
After the taping of Ford Nation wrapped on Sunday afternoon, me and Joe the Squalor Warmington of the Toronto Sun hitched a ride with Mayor Rob Ford to catch the second half of the CFL Eastern Final down at the Dome. Now folks, if you believe the consensus media, Mayor Ford is an embarrassing disgrace and unfit to govern. And the citizenry of Hogtown supposedly want this guy out of town as soon as possible. So how very, very odd indeed then, that as the mayor tried to get into and out of Skydome, absolute pandemonium erupted. As you just saw, I'm not talking about upset peasants carrying pitchforks and torches, pandemonium like something out of an old Frankenstein flick. No, it was the sort of reception a rock phenom or A-list movie star would receive, adulation and photo seekers and autograph hounds. The two most common cries I heard uttered were, you have my vote, Ford, and we love you. It was astonishing. But what was even more astonishing was the sort of coverage the event received in the consensus media the very next day. Check this nugget out from the Toronto Red Star. Quote, there were sporadic chants referencing his recent crack smoking admission. The Argos are whack. Rob Ford smokes crack. Folks, simply put, this chant never erupted. Or if it did... It must have been way up in the press box, not in section 129 where the mayor was seated, and I know because I was there. But wait, there's more. Check out the headline of a Canadian press story, quote, Rob Ford causes commotion attending Toronto CFL game he was asked not to attend. <laughs> now, there's spin for you. Commotion, after all, has a pejorative tone to it, but this isn't what occurred. What occurred was a love fest. People were elated. And contrary to the report, Ford was never asked not to attend. True, the Argos didn't provide comp tickets, which, by the way, speaks volumes about the team's lack of marketing savvy. But then again, I suspect there are some suits in Argoland that are tied to the political elites that want Ford ousted. Nevertheless, folks, the point is this. I witnessed firsthand, as did the scrawler, the elated reaction Ford generated. And it did not in any way resemble what was printed the following day by most media outlets. Why? Is it because when it comes to the leftist elite and the red Tories and the consensus media, all of whom support a tax and spend agenda, Rob Ford's message of respect for taxpayers is one to be mocked, even if that message resonates with most citizens? The thing is, if you were to form an opinion on Ford's political future based on the media coverage and the tut-tut commentary from the tall forehead types, as well as, certain, as a certain three-time political loser who hopes to be mayor of Toronto, you'd swear that Ford has no future. But follow the mayor or his brother Doug to a football game or a Walmart or a no-frills supermarket store, and a radically different picture emerges. Which is to say, the common man and woman recognize that Mayor Ford has some personal demons that he must slay, unquestionable. But unlike the drunken sailors currently running Queen's Park, home to several billion dollar scandals ranging from e-health in Orange 
to the canceled gas plants and the pan scam games, Mayor Rob Ford does not have his hand in the taxpayer's wallet. Indeed, the precise opposite is the case. Ford has capped tax increases to an all-time low. He jettisoned the vehicle registration tax and got rid of bike lanes on Jarvis Street. He has saved the city about a billion dollars. He has derailed a ludicrous streetcar scheme in favor of proper subways. He has contracted out more garbage collection to the private sector. He has inked labor deals with the city's unions without Toronto enduring any work stoppages, an achievement, by the way, union-friendly Mayor David Miller was never able to pull off. Yet, it's worth noting that even before the mayor's crack-smoking incident was verified, his enemies had it out from him. From day one, the mayor was viciously attacked for, well, for starters, his weight. Heck, the Toronto Star thought that the mayor visiting a Kentucky Fried Chicken outlet actually qualified as front page news. And Now Magazine photoshopped his, photoshopped his head on the body of a naked obese man. Oh, that's class. And yet, if Mayor Ford were black or Muslim or homosexual, would the consensus media ever dare vilify this man based on skin color, religion, or sexual orientation? I think not. Make no mistake, folks, what we are seeing today at Toronto City Council is a political assassination. Council is actually dreaming up new laws to make their illegal actions legal. It's a coup d'etat that is aided and abetted by forces ranging from a complicit media to an interfering chief of police. And it is a coup that would make a banana republic dictator blush. Simply put, there are people with mayoralty ambitions who realize that unless Rob Ford is in jail or, God forbid, six feet under, they don't have a hope in hell of being elected mayor. That's what this witch hunt is all about. Still, as the old chestnut goes, he who laughs last laughs loudest. Mark your calendars, folks. On October 27, 2014, it will be Mayor Ford and the rank-and-file members of Ford Nation who will be laughing loudly indeed. Golly, just what will the political elites and the consensus media do then? And that's the menzoid monologue. Well, I think they'll just keep doing what they've been doing. You know, it's really funny. Uh, that was David Menzies from uh, Sun TV on the 19th of this month. Um, very interesting recap of his, of, his, of his own experience, really. Well, he's not the only one that had an experience like that. I have a personal friend. He's been heard on this show before. His name is Ted Harlson. You would have heard his voice in conjunction with Michael Corrin when he was involved with the situation at Caledonia, along with Gary McHale, who was our guest on the show last week. And uh, Ted has decided to go and see for himself what's going on down there at City Hall, and he gave me a bit of a report. I read, actually, part of this to Andy Utman on the air on CJBK, so if you heard that, this might sound a little familiar to you. But uh, he, he reports to me, and he says uh, this is from the day that they were voting 
to uh, oust Ford from office, and he was there. And uh, he said he arrived at 8.30 in the morning, and he and Ray Morand of the Canadian Taxpayers Alliance uh, were there. And he said the two of them repaired, uh, prepared a one-page leaflet from the latest police report on Rob Ford, which found him to be... Uh, oh, sorry, which found him not to be guilty of most of the things he's accused of. Police explain the political motivations, and he gave me a link. And he says they were, reworked a page regarding Rob Ford's alleged behavior at the beer market where he supposedly got drunk, groped women, and smoked dope. This accusation was picked up quickly by the media and transmitted widely. The Toronto police files explain... And this, not just omit, but they explain that no such incident actually happened. The police investigated the waiters there that night, the people who were in attendance, and no such incident actually occurred. The police, however, did explain the accusation was made by a single person who was named Navarro, N-A-V-A-R-R-O, and this Navarro claims to know Rob Ford and bragged about working on the George Smitherman campaign. <laughs> And he says we were careful to copy uh, to uh, copy carefully the actual wording of the police report so it would reflect reflect their investigation findings. They mailed emailed one pager to the mayor and to each city council member. Nine forty five. He says they go into city hall. He says I handed out this one pager to reporters who were there. Most took it, but a few did not. To my surprise, not many had actually f- fully read the police report. Neither, again, to my amazement, had any municipal council members. The horde of reporters were sitting like vultures outside Rob Ford's office. Before he entered, Doug Ford went into the staff meeting office. Ray and I followed him in and talked with him. He could only spare about five minutes or so, so we quickly told him what we were up to and gave him a copy of our literature. He smiled briefly and said, okay, let's start gathering the forces. And then he turned next to arranging some staff members for a meeting, and we left. On the way out, I spoke loudly, again, this is Ted, Ted Harlson speaking, to the reporters and cameras who were rolling and ready. The city of Toronto stands with Rob Ford. I think I made some of the reporters jump since I said it suddenly. 12 a.m.-ish, Rob Ford enters his office and the reporters go into a frenzy asking him questions. I yell above the fray, the people of Toronto stand with Rob Ford. Lower taxes, lower taxes. Some media technician tells me to be quiet, but I say it again. There are quite a few others who also were yelling loudly for Ford. The reporters, by the way, never showed any of this on the air that I've seen on the news tonight. There were many more Rob Rob Ford supporters than anti, even in the council chambers. A woman kept smiling at me, so I finally went over and offered her a leaflet. And uh, she's, uh, get, then he gets into all these other stories, and these guys are getting pretty active. Apparently, they've been counsel- uh, calling each of the councillors, asking if they've received the issue. Ray went downstairs for a bite to eat, apparently, and ended up getting interviews with two television uh, crews from France and Germany, believe it or not. That is how how amazingly I mean who why would France or Germany be interested in Rob Ford? What is it about Rob Ford? You think it's really about the crack? I don't think so. I think they see something else going on here too. Maybe it looks a lot like what's going on in Europe. Now this goes on even further. Now, the, the, the great thing, too, was that Ted sent me a full copy of a PDF of the police report. And uh, then he gave me a, uh, an update the next day. And he said, today I woke up very late, 3.30. I hadn't slept in two and a half days. Today, uh, Ray Moran wrote a letter, which will go to the city clerk. 
and uh, he also he's going to write letters to everyone else. But this was interesting. He said he also wrote a letter to the Canada's uh, federal minister responsible for the CBC and other government-funded media to ask him if they know what they're funding. And he talks about how he would like to see some objectivity in the media, saying that Ayn Rand has identified what objectivity is, including in the newspaper world, so I will tell them. The people running these agencies are older generation, or so, or, or so some of them must still have some memory of what better reporting was and should be like. Now, this part was very interesting. The utter collapse of moral and intellectual standards of reasoning and honesty is astounding. Ray and I were talking to a reporter we happened to sit beside during lunch. He was tall, happy, and even funny, witty, but his views were, quote, don't even try to defend Rob Ford. Journalists are having too much fun with Rob Ford, you know, fun Rob is done, you know, he's done. The other men have tried to fight their way out, but they didn't win. Why do you care, anyways? I told him we will win in the end, we'll either have a totalitarian rule or freedom, one of them I do not wish to live in. Then he started joking about how no one is a purist, no one staring at me and Ray. I think he was looking for guilt. Ray answered, like, 5% corrupt? Remember, 10% makes you a liberal. <laughs> to try to keep it in context, I said, it doesn't work to pick and choose philosophies like Richard Nixon on the fly for different situations. He stopped smiling as much, then said, they have their jobs, the media mob, for their bread and butter. Let them go. I think he was deeply disturbed. He went away smiling and talking, but he knows he didn't convince me or Ray of anything. Such is the disintegrated mindset and concrete-bound mentality in the news reporting business. It's like swimming in a sewer, comments Ted. The fight is just the beginning, he says, and uh, they're going into this kind of thing pretty big, so I might be getting some interesting background and news reports on this in the near future. Right now, we're going to take another interesting break. This one's a little longer because this one, this, this actually occurred again on Ford Nation where Ezra Levant was actually in the studio with uh, Rob and Doug Ford, although he's not talking to them here. This was before he joined them for a conversation. This was his own editorial. Uh, I think I referred to this in the show two weeks ago, and, and it looks like he redid it for the show, for the um, Ford Nation show. So I'll see you again in about seven minutes. You know, it's cool for politicians to do drugs. Justin Trudeau brags about it and says he wants to legalize pot. Andre Boisclair, the former leader of the Parti Québécois, favored cocaine. George Smitherman, Ontario's former Liberal Health Minister who later ran for the Mayor of Toronto against Rob Ford and who won the endorsement of the Toronto Star and other left-wing media, said he preferred, quote, party drugs. It's not just drugs, of course. Teddy Kennedy had multiple addictions, booze, sex, drugs. He even killed a girl once when he drove drunk into the Chappaquiddick River with a woman, not his wife, coming home from a party. Mary Jo Kopechny was her name. But he was a Kennedy, so he was never charged. Speaking of drunks who kill, René Lévesque, the former separatist premier of Quebec, killed a guy one night, also with his car, also with a woman in his car, not his wife. Wasn't wearing his glasses either. Lévesque was charged, and the judge fined him $25 and encouraged him to continue his political campaign. 25 bucks. And, of course, you don't have to go back that far. Take the hero of the left, St. Jack Layton, the late leader of the NDP. Why, he was found stark naked in a downtown whorehouse during a police vice squad raid. No charges. 
police didn't even mention it. I mean, it was his private life, and he was an important man, and it might embarrass people. Which brings us to the case of Rob Ford. He hasn't killed anyone like Kennedy or Levesque. He hasn't been charged with anything at all. In fact, he's shown poor judgment. A lawmaker should not be a lawbreaker, and smoking crack cocaine is illegal. He was also seen in the company of criminals, or at least accused criminals. In fact, no charges have been laid against Ford at all, unlike, say, the current mayor of London, Ontario, Joe Fontana. Fontana's facing fraud charges, not for anything in his private life, but for allegedly using government money to pay for his kid's wedding. The Canada Revenue Agency has already decertified the charity Fontana chaired that paid him huge consulting fees. The auditors claim he violated the Income Tax Act, but Fontana continues to govern London with neither the media mania that has descended on Ford or the political threats by Kathleen Wynne, the Liberal Premier. I understand that people are affected by what's happening at this moment, but I want the people of Toronto to know that we will not be defined by this, and we'll work together to ensure that the people's interests are served. Yeah, see, Wynne herself is not elected yet, but she says she might just fire Toronto's mayor because, uh, well, you see, well, well why, why exactly? Because Ford lied? Is that the criteria for removing politicians from office? If so, there wouldn't be one left because Ford has a substance abuse problem, perhaps. That would cull the political class pretty quickly if that was a disqualifier and much of the media party, too. Because why? Because his friends have been implicated or even charged in crimes? Well, that would quite cover quite a few people, too, including Premier Wynne herself, seen here with Justin Trudeau and that other guy, the former Deputy Minister of Education in Ontario, close colleagues with Wynne. Ben Levin is his name, who just happens to have been charged with child pornography, as in making and distributing images of child abuse. Well, then what is it? Well, it's obvious. It's Ford's politics. He's a conservative. He's a tax cutter, a spending cutter. He privatized Toronto's garbage service. He pushed back the nuttier bicycling anti-car ideas. He's running a huge surplus. He's marginalized what he calls the gravy train, all the lobbyists and consultants and lawyers who used to rule the roost off the back of taxpayers. But of course, for his worst sin of all is that he's just so low class, isn't he? He's fat. He lives in the suburbs, not a fancy downtown condo. He's an uncool businessman, not a hipster, not even a lawyer. Oh, did I mention he's fat? He drives a Cadillac, not a Prius. He doesn't particularly like going to gay pride parades. In other words, he's what the fancy people hate. He's N-O-K-D, not our kind, dear. That's why left-wing lawyers Clayton Ruby and Brian Schiller sued him again and again in political nuisance suits, trying to kick him out of office on technicalities, trying to bog him down in lawsuits, including baseless defamation suits. They were trying to undo through the courts what they couldn't do in the election. When Ford cleaned the clock of their anointed candidate, liberal drug addict George Smitherman, they couldn't do it through the courts. So then the media party tried to hound him out of office, publicizing every flaw, real or imagined, like, I'm not making this up, grainy cell phone video of him going to a KFC for fried chicken. I mean, did I mention that Rob Ford is fat? The media attacks didn't work for some reason, so then the left-wing, politically correct police brass thought they'd help Toronto's police chief decided one day to have a press conference and say that he had seen a video in which Ford had smoked what looked like 
a crack pipe, and all sorts of other surveillance of Ford included by airplanes and other undercover agents. Oh, no charges against him. No, he wasn't even the official target of the investigation. But they released hundreds of pages of allegations and rumors against him, probably spent millions of bucks stalking him, even hired a plane. Oh, all in the public interest, of course. Well, that hasn't dislodged the mayor either. So then city council, his rivals, his opponents, had a vote denouncing him, calling on him to step aside. Yeah, imagine that. Liberal legislators voting for a conservative legislator to step aside. Imagine if that's how democracy worked. Maybe Rob Ford should step aside. Maybe he should be banished from politics forever. Unlike the drug and sex and booze addicts of the left, maybe, maybe he should be. But let that be done in the next election by voters. Not an unelected liberal premier, not by radical left-wing activist lawyers, not by a politically meddling police chief, and not by baldly ambitious rivals on city council, not by a vindictive, vengeful newspaper, the Toronto Star, that endorsed the drug addict George Smitherman and became an auxiliary of Smitherman's campaign team that has sent reporters onto Ford's home, even at night, that has stalked his wife and family and friends. The Star isn't even a newspaper anymore, it's paparazzi. They're even paying cash to any member of the public who secretly tapes Ford saying something embarrassing, even private, even in a home. That's why I support Rob Ford. He's run the city well, despite his private life, and Rob Ford's enemies aren't just bullies. They're undemocratic bullies who act like they, and not the people of the city, own the mayor's office and that they'll decide Ford's fate. No, 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 no. Ford is a deeply flawed man, but I'd take him drunk over his left-wing predecessor sober. This is Canada. We let voters decide who holds office, not the editors of the Toronto Star or their Stakarazzi. Great editorial by Ezra. Uh, he just about said it all there, and yet, you know, but now we've gone beyond democracy, haven't we? Globe and Mail, Canadian Press, Ontario Tories bill would allow recall of misbehaving mayors and MPPs by Maria Babbage, the Canadian Press. And of course, uh, Ontario's Premier should allow voters to fire provincial and municipal politicians who behave badly. Progressive Conservative Randy Hillier said Wednesday. He's calling on Premier Kathleen Wynne to throw her support behind his private member's bill, which allows for the recall of members of provincial parliament. Politicians should be treated like anyone else, he added. If you're not performing to the expectation of the employer, you can be replaced, he said. And the employer doesn't have to wait four years to replace an underperforming employee. His bill was introduced October 30th. And it says in the Article 2 that London Mayor Joe Fontana, former federal minister, cabinet minister, is also in hot water. He's facing fraud charges but has denied any wrongdoing and refuses to step down. The governing liberals have been reluctant to take action to remove Ford from office. Wynne said she'll consider offering, quote, new tools to Toronto if the city's government decides it simply can't function as a result of its scandal-plagued mayor. Hillier said he's not in favor of it because it wouldn't apply to all municipal politicians. Voters are the only legitimate authority to replace an elected representative, he added. There needs to be checks and balances on the conduct of elected officials between elections, Hillier said. It might have prevented such abuses as the public dollars as the Liberals' cancellation, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God, what garbage coming out of these conservatives, I tell you. 
Uh, it's unbelievable. Randy Hillier, there's a train wreck for you. Due process, like giving the voters the right to determine a politician's authority, is the very thing that the bureaucratic ethics police and the recallers and other new democracy types all want to circumvent. That's what they're out to get. I mean, ask yourself, what are they possibly promising? What, to reassert the authority already given by the voters to a particular politician in a previous election? Huh? You know, it would seem to me, again, that if there were some sort of legitimate recall option, it would have to totally depend upon urgency, 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 and timing. It would have to be almost like, you know, war, a, a nuclear war or something. I, I can't even think of too many other issues where this should ever come up. And given the length of time that most recall actions would take, the likelihood of a recall action late in the electoral cycle would go down dramatically, wouldn't it? Why spend a year or two on an effort of collecting signatures and going through all, the whole cycle when the next election is going to end up around the same time as you get your petition in anyway. So what will that mean? That will mean that most recalls, to be effective as a recall, would have to be started almost the moment an elected candidate took office. It's the only, it's the only way to keep them out, right? And just think of the power that recall legislation would give to unions and other organized interest groups who can collect signatures at a whim. They just have a big meeting. They go around. They can get, they've got all the people because they pay them. They've got money for this. And, you know, they could use all re recall mechanism constantly as a means to thwart every Rob Ford-type tax cutter as being incompetent for the mere fact he wants to cut taxes. Holy cow, what's wrong with you? Oh, get real already, Randy Hillier. <laughs> I see you want to uh, to have Wynne support your attack on democracy, probably because she appears to be such a natural ally in this cause. Have you, have you bounced this off Hudak at all? <laughs> Just wondering whose party you're in. And then, of course, there's Anthony Fury's great piece, uh, Ford Nation versus the Political Class, which summarizes the real distinction here. This was November 16th, QMI Agency says the political class just won't learn their lesson. They still don't understand why Rob Ford ascended into power. And he points to a meeting, apparently a strategy meeting, that was held uh, at a place called at the Bloor Street offices of Fleishman Hilliard, where 60 people attended to strategize about getting John Tory to run for mayor again. John Tory, another, another PC. Aren't these guys supposed to be on the same side? And, of course, all the people who were there included current and former liberal and conservative cabinet ministers and NDP strategists all sitting there in bed together against Rob Ford. And uh, it's really amazing. It says the two journalists who co-wrote this perhaps don't appreciate their own subtext. Um, the, the story is about unelected consultants, lobbyists, and backroom boys meeting to decide Toronto's future far away from the unwashed masses. And it's not just a few back rumors, he writes. It's the whole shebang. Toronto's perpetual political class has decided the average Joe had his say in the 2010 and messed it up. Time to bring in the professionals. And then he says, um, you know, regardless of party affiliation, they're all complicit in this power sharing. And they're all happy to take turns because they're in the political class. An Ipsos Reid poll released Thursday, he writes, uh, shows Ford will face tough opposition in 2014. But it also showed 47% of the people agreed with the statement, quote, Mayor Ford is doing things at City Hall that I want him to keep doing, end quote. That last fact, conveniently left out in some of the media reports, scares the hell out of the power brokers. Ford has given the voters ample reason to decide him unfit for re-election. 
but voters may decide otherwise, end quote. You think? <laughs> Barring a real crisis, I don't think Rob Ford's going anywhere. But for now, we have to at least for another week. So join us again next week when we continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Look, I've done some bad things, and I apologized for that. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Mayor. I just don't think people will believe you anymore. Some of the stories you've told are clearly outrageous lies. Well, then I'm going to go on a show where people do believe me and will believe anything I say. Mr. Mayor, at this point, what show would possibly believe you? <laughs> Mayor Rob Ford. Patriot. Hero. Role model. Tonight, he'll tell a side of the story you have to hear to believe. So, Mayor Fort, once and for all, what is the truth? I have never done crack. I believe you. I've also never smoked pot. I believe you. And I've never had alcohol. Mayor Fort, I believe you. Oh.